Hey you. Yes, I mean you, dear listener. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Warui Desho podcast. We're so happy to have the pleasure of your company today. If you've listened to us before and like our show, you might be wondering how you could support us, since we won't take your money. This podcast will continue to be free, but if you'd like to show your appreciation, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes, as those help our discoverability. If you don't use iTunes, that's fine too. You can follow us and like and share our content on SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitter. Additionally, we love getting your feedback, positive or negative. Tweet us at Show or email us at waterwaydeshow at gmail.com. Whether or not it gets read on the show, I can assure you, we all read every tweet and email you send us. And once again, dear listener, we thank you so much. Now please, enjoy the show. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and NBs. Welcome to What Are We Show's Stream of Thought. I am the Subtle Doctor, uh, cracking a beer can open in the background as we speak. Is my buddy, my my co-pilot for this and all Darling and the Franks related shenanigans is uh, Shadon. How's it going, Shadon? It's going all right. It's not beer. It's Iron Brew Extra. Which is somehow supposedly meant to taste better than regular Iron Brew while also being sugar-free. I'm sure that, you know, the Scotsmen in our audience will probably have very strong opinions on that, but... Eh, it's alright. What is Iron Brew? Is it a soda or something? It is. Uh, fun ah. fact. Fun facts for you. Every country in the world where Dace was collected for this study, I can't remember the exact place it was... Uh, sorry, the exact uh, site it came from, but... Most popular soft drink or soda in the world per country, every single country except one was regular Coca-Cola. Scotland, most popular soft drink, Iron Brew. I don't even, let's see what it says here. Sparkling, low-calorie flavoured soft drink. It doesn't even state what it's meant to taste like, but it's good. I like it. Err, that's because we know soda. <laughs> no, like seriously, like this is this is sold in bars and shit. Like even in high class establishments, it's like a national product. Get your shit Coca Cola out of here! Bring me the Iron Brew Extra. It's the good stuff, lad. Your your Scottish was actually pretty on on point there, Doc. Until you said Iron Brew Extra, not Iron Brew. You know, pre sugar reduction uh, back in April. But <laughs> hey, the actual the actual voice was convincing. That was kind of scary. <laughs> Oh boy. Well, speaking of scary things, we have to talk about the anime that makes it rain sadness upon the just and the unjust. Mm -hmm. Darling in the Franks, episode 21, for you, my love. (laughs) Uh, It's the end of the world as we know it, and, well, we don't feel fine. Oh boy. All right. So, (sighs) yes, we feel very... Very unfine, but we're going to soldier on for you, the fans, because we love you, and we will do anything for your entertainment. Oh, no, don't open that door. Don't don't leave that door open for people to just start dropping suggestions. Doc, 
you're gonna end up no <laughs> it's open the door is open oh shit but uh Daisukina Anata no Tameni uh, for you my love was directed by Manabu Okamoto who you may remember from his episode direction of uh the beast and the prince episode 13 oh the good one yeah i guess i don't remember how i felt about it to be honest with you i feel as if i've just been assaulted by this show and it all melts together the only one i remember really liking was episode six i'm sure i've i know i've liked plenty of other ones i just can't remember what they are but just to remind you okamoto did some episode direction for uh, Akamega Kill. Did some Idol Master work, storyboards, episode direction. Uh, again, probably where uh, he met up with Nishigori. And I'm going to tell you now, like I told you then, he directed your favorite anime of last year, Gamers. Ah, oh. I ah. Uh. <laughs> No amount. Actually, you that is the most amazing tangential link ever. Thank you for that, Doc. You, I cannot believe like the six degrees of separation that just went from game from gamers back to time the Franks. Allow me to explain. So in gamers, uh, they decide that what they do is they'd use footage from uh, Guilty Gear Exard uh, when a character's playing on it, <laughs> right? Which yes. was made by Arc System Works. And boy, howdy, <laughs> what happened over this weekend? <laughs> I guess we have to talk about that since it was sort of aired in, during the Darling in the Franks episode, this announcement, right? We do. Okay, so, folks, let me ask you a question firstly at the four. When you have a countdown to anything, what do you expect to happen after the countdown? Well, should we go by this Darling in the Franks episode? Because if I did, it would be jack shit! <laughs> I knew you, the I countdown knew. reached motherfucking zero and nothing happened. I, like like I said, at least it's consistent with what happened with the Axis countdown. <laughs> Christ almighty. <sighs> I can't believe that the, like, the, the lack of awareness is incredible. Like, let's have a countdown that leaves nothing. And then in the actual show that precedes or follows this countdown... We'll have a, you know, a countdown that does nothing. But yes, um, this countdown appeared on Trigger's website and said, uh, Trigger, X Arc System Works, countdown, blah, 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 blah. You know, and then the timer ran out. And what did it do? It told us to go watch Darling in the Franks episode 21, which probably put everyone off actually, you know, going to watch it. Now, I don't know anything about the decision-making process behind this because... Well, I'm over here in England and, you know, I'm just some guy yelling down a microphone. I'm not a fly on the wall over there in the trigger offices. But the skeptic in me and the cynic, you know, the size of my personality, I like to keep chained up every, you know, as much as possible. They said to me this. What if, Shaden? What if Darling and the Franks' ratings are so at the pits because it's terrible that they needed to shore up the ratings and that originally this countdown was just simply going to lead to the announcement but then some executive burst into the office and said, no, 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 no. The, the ratings are terrible. So I, I want you to change the announcement to make it an announcement for an announcement. So that way it will then air during Darling in the Franks. And therefore it is necessary 
that you know people watch it in order to you know watch the watch the show and also watch the announcements. That was a that was a fantastic like CEO voice. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't know where I got it from. It just kind of made up on the fly. But that, by the way, uh, if it is true, is also incredibly naive because this is the internet, the internet age. So no, you don't need to watch the shows to see that. This is not late night TV. You know, you miss it and you're done. So this announcement in the end turned out to be a Kill the Kill 2.5D Battle Arena game. Now, on paper, that's amazing. However... Is it? Well... I mean, what is a Battle Arena game? Is that a... That's not like a 2D fighter, right? That's like a... There have been some like JoJo's a... games that like work like that, which are essentially just fighting games, but they like allow uh, freedom of movement... Not like in, say, Soul Calibur, where you're still, like... You can, like, freely move, like, in 360 degrees, as opposed to, like, sidestepping around your opponent. So, like, the Dragon Ball games, the DBZ yes. Budokai? Where, yes, Budokai. Or, or Psychic, War- Psychic Wars 2012, those projectile fighters? Yeah, something something side effects. Okay, here's the big issue with this, folks. Never believe anything that Trigger put out on their website ever again, as far as announcements go. Because it says, Trigger X Arc System Works... That made me think, as an Arc System Works fan, that Arc System Works would actually be developing whatever game this would be. Or, alternatively, I thought it was going to be a Guilty Gear anime by Trigger, which probably would have, you know, made my head explode. But that's a different timeline, unfortunately. We're not in that. Uh, it turns out this game is not being developed by Arc System Works, so because Arc System Works, apart from being, you know, developers of fighting games, are also a quite prolific Japanese publisher. They are just publishing it. The actual developers are A+. Who are A+, you might wonder. A+, did the recent-ish Little Witch Academia game. And all of the second-hand hit opinions I've heard on this uh, particular yeah. game are that it's very authentic. It's the Little Witch Academia experience in terms of how it looks, how it sounds, etc., etc. But the gameplay is absolute trash. The reviews have not been good. No. So... Consider my enthusiasm curbed very much so about this particular game. Now, I'll be fair, that's me being, again, sceptical and cynical. Maybe it will be good. Maybe A-plus have learned. But I would have at least appreciated Trigger being a bit more forthright on A, not having the countdown end with fuck diddly shit, and B, you know, not pretending, or at least inferring through it just being there, that it's Arc System Works making the game as opposed to just publishing it. And as we've already alluded to, in the most amazing, you know, parallel, you know, running thing ever, there's a countdown in this episode that also leads to nothing. Oh, we live in the worst timeline. We really, ah, why don't we have a Trigger 2D fighter? Why don't we have a Guilty Gear anime made by Trigger? That <sighs> would be the most Again. amazing thing ever. Would it? <laughs> I'm not confident that it would. <laughs> I think it would. I think it would suit them perfectly. Um... Well, I mean, perfectly. I, no. I think Trigger. No, th- this is that's not an indictment on Trigger. It's just a, um, you know, the history of fighting game anime is, uh, shall we say, checkered. Yeah, I'm not going to actually, you know, deny that. We'll put that. We'll put that as one of those things aside, though. You know, like which is fun to think about, but will never be true. And maybe you know, like you say, be careful what you wish for. Who, uh, who did the the Blaze Blue anime? <laughs> What, oh my what God. studio was that? I don't know. All I know is that um, when I was watching it, because I was doing a group watch for it a long time ago on a private Skype chat, uh, we looked mm-hmm. it up, and the credentials of the studio in question were maybe three hentai series, and that was it. 
according to my anime list, it's uh, Hoods Entertainment uh, and Team KG, produced by Lantis and Studio uh, Mousu. No idea what any <laughs> what any of those companies do or have done. Hentai, from my memory. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The the uh, the Seikon no Quasar people. Ooh, ooh. I mean, Oof. I'll be I'll be honest, right? Hentai in itself, nothing wrong with it. But it turned out that their hentai was quality, quote unquote, from wide herd. So, ugh. and the show itself was a uh, oh my like. Blaze Blue's, a, Blaze Blue's story is rubbish already to begin with, but that doesn't mean you then need to double down by making it dumber and also by animating it with a budget of maybe $5. <laughs> if you told me that certain keyframes in that show were done in Microsoft Paint, I would believe it. Uh, uh. I mean, they did, not to get too much into to Hood's entertainment here, but uh, Mysterious Girlfriend X is uh, is well regarded by some folks. And that's, uh, they worked on drifters in some capacity. It's unclear to me how. Um, yeah. So they did some kind of OVA for it. Oh, and they worked in the TV series. So, and drifters is like good, stupid fun. You know, it's not the worst thing ever. So I don't know. Maybe it wasn't the absolute worst choice just to give them the license, but from what I hear, as you just said, it turned out to not be good at all. I, I have a phrase in response to you, Doc. Lowest bidder. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Alright, so shall we talk about episode 21? For you, my love. For you, my love. Uh, yeah. So, it turns out that uh, not all of the Robo Bishops were part of Verm, which it wasn't clear to me at the end of the last episode. It looks like they all merged into Verm, but but I'm glad that this is the case because I remember them arguing with each other about what course of action to take, uh, even at the very end when some of them were like, "We're going to abandon the planet," mm-hmm. and another one was like, "Wait, what? What? Huh?" So it's good that that happened. Um, but they were not really around to do much of anything because uh, it appeared their souls were sucked from their bodies. I have a question about this, and this is not like me being nitpicky questions, it's just me like trying to understand this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is going to be important for how the show ends. Uh, because mm-hmm. I, have, I have a very strong idea about what one of the ending points of the show is going to be. So, okay. Verm, it seems, have the idea of going for transhumanism, which is we are going to basically upload your souls, your spirits, your consciousness to somewhere. Is they they never they're never quite explicit on this, but I, I'm not really that fussed about it. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if um I don't know if transhumanism like so I'm uneducated about a lot of things to do with it, but does it also advocate for this sort of um? collective entity because it feels like what the verm are is a big ball like a big collective a high of all the the consciousnesses whereas like transhumanism and say like ghosts in the shell like you still have individuality i believe at least to some degree maybe it's the fit this is well this is getting into the problem with verm as a concept in the show and that they're introduced so late they're 
agendas, their, you know, perspectives and such can't be developed because there simply isn't time for it, so it's not clear. But the question I wanted to ask was this. Uh, this is to you, Doc, just so I could get a second opinion. And people at home who are listening, please feel free to chime in with your thoughts on this as well. Did Verm upload every single living person from the plantations into their giant space SSD or whatever it is? This is my question as well. Like, absolutely was the next thing in my notes. Like, did all humanity get their souls sucked out? Or just, like, the present plantation? Uh, or what? You know, what mm. happened? <laughs> this is important because... I get the impression that the way the show is going to proceed from here is that, of course, it's going to be up to the kids, collectively. That is not just our heroes, but the other kids, um, you know, the other squads, uh, to rebuild the world. Because the adults are now, you know, have all been taken away by them. They're all gone. Great. I'm very sorry to say that that it could very well end up being one of the most downer endings imaginable. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Everyone's pretty useless without uh, Papa, except for Squad 13, who developed an independent streak. Yeah. Uh, we, we see a really good example of this, like, mechs just huddling in a group. It's like, Papa! Papa! And then getting annihilated. Yeah. that That is a problem. And then, let's just say that it turns out that the only kids left in the entirety of the show uh, at all are Squad 13. Um, how do I put this mildly? Uh, they're fucked. They're fucked <laughs> beyond belief. Because I read, I read once a hard sci-fi novel called Ark by Stephen Baxter. I've mentioned on this podcast a couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. and the premise of Ark was that it was a sequel to his other novel Flood, which is not anything to do with Halo. By the way, it's literally <laughs> what would happen if there was a flood, a flooding of the Earth. Uh, based on some uh, studies he had read about water reserves locks in the Earth's core, um, not core, sorry, crust, I mean to say, uh, totaling five times the amount of water in the ocean. So Stephen Baxter, because he likes to horrify people, thought, what if that water got out? And yeah, Flood's pretty terrifying. It's one of the most horrifying novels I've ever read that doesn't actually technically wow. count as a horror novel. Uh, it, it's, it's bad. So Ark is the sequel start in which the Ark is actually a spaceship, and he, being a chartered engineer actually did some homework on how like warp travel might theoretically work and then started like you know discuss like how we'd colonize other worlds now in that novel baxter's characters discuss the fact that they need to have a certain amount of people a breeding pair specifically in order for there to be a genetically viable um society because if you have too few people who are breeding pairs then eventually, over the course of generations, inbreeding happens and they all get wiped out by a virus or something like that. Like, the risk of catastrophic eradication goes up exponentially, especially with less breeding pairs. So, let's count. Let us count. And let's be as unfair as we can be to some of the characters in our particular group. First off, Zero Two is sterile. If she lives, she ain't having kids. So that's one pair down. We're down to eight. If we then count... Ikuno and whoever, and poor Ikuno, she ends up caught in this fucking situation because conceivably she would... This, this is why I don't like this, even conceiving of how this is going to go, because the logical implications of all this are pretty disgusting. Um, but then we have only three breeding pairs total. They will breed themselves out into oblivion 
within maybe a couple of generations, and that's it, mankind's extinct. Like, spoiler alert, folks, Verb leave at the end of this episode and say they'll be back with their army. Um, they can wait. They're in no hurry. That After this episode, short of a miracle happening, or, you know, the fact that all the other plantation squads, like, you know, wake up and smell the coffee and, you know, realise, yeah, we got a bone for the future or something like that. And it turns out, or maybe it turns out that not all the outs uploaded. Um, humanity's done. Game over. Sorry. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it. Re- I would really love to know, like, the extent of, you know, Verm sort of disembodying. It's not a, the right way to put it, but uh, pulling the consciousnesses is, is, is the souls, the psyches, the whatever it is out of... Uh, the bodies like how what what was the yeah what was the scale and scope of that because as you say it's gonna have a, a huge impact on the ending uh if it was indeed everyone and so like what prevents them from pulling out the kids in the robots like why why did they not i wonder is it is the robot some special in that way um because it's made from claxosaurus well that doesn't i I thought that their whole we find out later the whole reason they they come to earth it was to uh acquire the claxosaur souls or whatever but perhaps perhaps they can't do it they they can't just sort of take they there has to be kind of a willing giving up with a claxosaur maybe and that's why uh who knows we don't know yet. The guess I have is that they could only do so with people who had been consuming magma energy. That's the best well, consistent right. consistent thing I could think of because Frank's uh, Doctor Frank's that is and Hatchy uh, are not similarly also uploaded into you know the space SSD. Ah, so, yeah, yeah. And neither of them have been taking magma energy. So right, the kids were not immortal. Right. That is my best guess. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But then. If if it's the magma energy, why don't they just suck all the magma energy out of the world? <laughs> I don't know. All I those, don't... you know, beings, because the magma energy, we are, the, the this episode elucidates on it even more and says that um, it is just Claxosaurs who survived the first battle with the Verm, uh, who are the weaker ones of that lot. They became magma energy. So it's just... They're just hanging out there uh, as energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, pass. I guess we'll see. Maybe. Yeah. Perhaps. Oh, so, yeah, that's like a big, that's a really big question. <laughs> like, what the hell happened there exactly? Yeah. Uh, more on the Verm in a minute. Hero also melds with Sarah Kerrigan, the queen. Melds, not the right word, but they're he like plunges into her memories and consciousness the way that he did with zero two when they Mm -hmm. were piloting together Mm -hmm. and finds out like she's been alive for over 60 million years and sees glimpses of the previous, uh, the previous Klaxosaur civilization. We find out, uh, there's a, like a cut, there's cuts between, uh, Sarah Kerrigan talking quote-unquote to hero with her mind and dr franks talking to zero two who he found in the hall and recovered gave her an iv of magma energy 
and they're all kind of ex- doing more explaining. Mm-hmm. So it, it it turns out that the reason that the Verm showed up, uh, we were wondering this last episode, right? Like, why do they care about Earth? Like, what sort of resources do they have to replenish if they can do space travel? It would seem that a civilization that can travel through space can do things like grow its own food, yada, yada, yada. They were just stopping. They were just literally stopping for a Sonic. That's <laughs> it. Dry, they're going for drive through. Yeah. Well, so I want to stop and think about this for a minute because I think it's really interesting. Do the verb really need more souls? Like, what? What is their? What's the necessity here? Right? Is it? Does it just need to continually grow? Does it need more to survive? Is it like a drive through, like food, like? What happens to do? Do souls get used up, or does it just? Will they be able to stop moving if they don't get more souls to have more energy? Like, what? What? I think that's that's interesting to think about. But in my opinion, it's almost more intriguing if they don't need the souls, right? Like mm-hmm. if they, if it's a sort of an ideological kind of quest, right? Like they believe so strongly in this antibody existence like the mind or spirit or whatever existing apart from matter unbound by physical bodies and when like the klaxosaurs klaxosapiens at that time say no you know do they have this war with them because like again this is something they're zealous about is it because then they fear physical beings uh, so for some reason, I think these are all really interesting possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to actually segue back into Stephen Baxter briefly, I mentioned this on another podcast that we'll have done it previously. Uh, but he collaborated with Arthur C. Clarke of 2001 fame to do a series of uh, novels on what was it? It was a trilogy actually called the Firstborn trilogy, and it was literally about uh, the plot, a plot by aliens known as the Firstborn to destroy humanity. Now, that featured, by the way, one of my most favorite uh, plot devices ever in which the Firstborn shoot a Jupiter-sized planet into the sun to cause it to, you know, destroy humanity 2,000 years later because it burps all the energy back out, which is just incredible. Very, very die-bustery. That's that's amazing. (laughs) That's super cool. This is a hard sci-fi novel, by the way, so enjoy that thought for you. That, That literally could be done if you had the means to do it. It's theoretically possible. But the Firstborn's agenda in that particular series of novels was the heat death of the universe. If you've watched uh, Madoka Magica, you will probably recognize that term, because that's Kyubei's excuse for what he's doing with Madoka and her friends. Although, in that particular series, that's doubtful. Like, it's a reasonable explanation, supposedly, but it's just as much an excuse as anything else. But... In the first bar novels, that's literally what they wanted to do. They wanted to destroy humanity because they feared they would accelerate the heat death of the universe. So, okay, that's a goal we don't want them to do. That's like, you know, a motive that, you know, we need to stop and fight against. It's not right for them to destroy us over, you know, something that's inevitable, essentially. But at the same time, you get why they're doing it. So mm-hmm. that's that's that example. Verb's agenda and what they ultimately want? Ugh. Um, I wish this was something the show had gone into a lot earlier. Like, if... I mean, Ape <laughs> mentioned, like, once or twice about the idea about backing people up. Right. 
Yeah, they, the, the, we talked about, I guess, the Plato at the time, right? Like, that they they seem to be anti-body. Yeah. Uh, they talked about the body as some kind of, I don't know if they use the word prison or, or like, but the idea was that, like, the best parts of humans, like their their mind, their spirit or whatever, is, like, shackled to these these bodies that are just hindrances. Yeah. If Franks had leaned more into that, I reckon it could have actually had something really interesting to discuss, because it's not a topic that I've seen a lot in sci-fi in general. I mean, The Matrix is probably one of the most famous examples of that, but that was not a philosophical or ethical choice on the part of the machines. It was more of a punishment uh, for Mm -hmm. humanity in that particular story. It's not a a question of, like, you know, what is better. It's not a discussion that the, uh, the media has. So... I think that would be really neat if it had leaned into that, and that's one of the examples of where this show could have gone. I mean, like, you know, they could even tie that perhaps into certain things that do already definitively happen in the show, like Ikuno, for example. Hmm. But um, as it stands at the moment, Verm being an undercooked antagonistic force is entirely a function of their late introduction. Totally. And that's a, and that's a shame, because while I do at some point, I do kind of like, you know... Re- regret kind of in a weird way you know the fact that they came in at all and kind of undid all of the thematic stuff for ill or for better i think there could have been some interesting things they could have done with this if they'd taken the theme of you know living in a physical reality versus a digital one to its next level or or not even or as like perhaps not necessarily digital like with computers or whatever but like as living as like pure energy yeah as the verm appear to be yeah a formless existence that's what it that's what it could have been about yeah um, yeah and uh, i mean and you could i mean like you could kind of like extra like what am i trying to say i it would be possible i think for you to say like yeah like this theme is present elsewhere in the show because the way that humanity is kind of led by the shadow hand of verm uh, is to stop procreating, stop that sex stuff. Like, that's something that's very sort of associated with the body. I think food, uh, right, and sex are, like, the things you think of when you think of, like, the body and kind of human existence as bodily existence and what that entails versus, like, the other kinds of, like, nourishment that humans need as far as mental and emotional. Physical pleasure. Yeah, um and you could be like wow like that was there the whole time <laughs> but no uh it turns out that the claxosaurs ended up taking that path as well so it would seem to suggest that like just a function of becoming immortal genetically or or biologically like creating the chemical serum to make beings immortal in this frank's universe just entails losing the ability to procreate that that wasn't a thing that uh verm was imposing on humanity or deciding for us so that's that makes it a little bit i mean it's interesting from a certain angle like to think about oh well why does immortality mean the loss of procreation but it loses like you you could like pe- people that want to be like no like the verm they've been foreshadowed and like they tie in with all the other stuff like I I don't I don't think that they do in that area you there could have been a tie in there but it's just 
they I, I think that was um that was nixed by this other choice they made. Yeah. And the thing is as well, like with setup, like just because you set something up does not mean you set something up well. Right. The as I said before, like the idea I had um when Verm first came when Prize Firm came about was that ape were AIs. They were all, you know, consciousness and floating energy, you 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 name it. Certainly mm-hmm. not, you know, space aliens from the, <laughs> from the far beyond. Like, you know, that's not what I felt was going to happen. Now, that's just me speaking for me, but, like, I can't fathom how you would get the idea that aliens were the puppet masters all along. So, that's a shame. And going back again to Kill the Kill very briefly, like, the alien force in that, the life fibers, they're irrelevant as far as, like, you know, their own agenda is. Their agenda is that of Ragyu and um, Harui. Like, it's not really about them. It's more about the personal conflicts between them. Uh, between Ragyu and Satsuki and Ryuko. So, I don't know, like, I think this is just symptomatic of the show in general, in that I can see so much they could have done with this from in many different aspects. Like, to quote uh, Harris Bomberguy, who is a pretty damn good YouTuber, uh, fam- you know, famed Soy Boy and Soy Debunker. Shouts to you, H-Bomb. If yeah. you, I'm sure you're not listening to this, but if you ever do... You're cool. We'll go for a pint sometime since you actually do live in my country. Hey! Yeah, he's British. That's right. It could happen. But anyway, um, this is actually something he answers on his Curious Cat once about the idea, generally speaking, of um, robot shows. Um, particularly in anime. Which is the human coming out of the machine. The human, no, is leaving the machine behind to embrace their humanity. Now, I am paraphrasing very heavily here, so I apologise because this is also just from my memory from when I read it. But it did stick with me. And that's actually already embedded in the show's visuals from the very first time you see the OP with Zero Two bursting out Strelizia. Like, you know, the human coming out of the machine. And there was almost, almost a thing going with Zero Two, you know, like struggling to find her own humanity. And they could have done some interesting things with that with the kids who themselves are biologically human, but do not act necessarily human in the way that we know it. And they discover human emotions and such. They've kind of had that going a bit Mm -hmm. but the it's been kind of sidelined i i don't know like i don't think this i think this show has a lot of individual components that could if it had been fully fleshed out actually meant something meaningful and totally interesting to watch like yeah just to go back to the beginning i've been thinking about this because it's going to relate to a topic i'll discuss later but hero hero's character arc ended with episode six if you even want to call it a character arc which was him, you know, <laughs> deciding, okay, I'm going to keep on fighting, etc., etc. I need to fly, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, I'm flawed and impotent, but now I have a means in which to express myself. And my initial naivety suggested, okay, he's got what he wants now, but he may very well, you know, decide there are other ways in which I can express myself or be useful or be meaningful to people in the world around us. That didn't happen. But that is, again, another example of what could have happened. Or, as I've suggested, what they could have done with Ikudo, rather than having her be a token lesbian character, because, very sorry to say, but that's how I see it. Like, if they, mm. if anything substantial has happened with Ikudo, I'm open for people to tell me about it. But beyond simply revealing that, you know, she is a lesbian to Ichigo, and then having nothing really come of it, or, like, you know, any real discussions on the society that they live in that forces this uh, status quo, nah. Go go see our episode eighteen podcast to hear 
more detailed thoughts on that. I think I don't think our opinions have really changed since then. Because nothing's actually happened with Akuno since then. Well, until this episode, that is. Uh, <laughs> That's right. I am very, very concerned about the consequences of what happens to her in this episode, but we will find out about that soon enough. Anyway, okay. but yeah, like like I say, though, like maybe they could have done something with her and each go like, you know, about how I cannot express my sexuality in this world and then maybe they discover a way in which she can do that, you know, meaningfully without, and then, you know, like, maybe we have some sort of oppressive government stance, and then, you know, like, you know, love wins out. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm saying that there's a lot of seeds in this show that could have been planted elsewhere to make something oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, and there's just not enough, it seems like, for everyone to do right now, all the, the characters. Um, but no, I yeah, totally. I mean, I think Emily expressed it very well in our episode 18 show that there's not a coherence like to this show in terms of what it wants to say or or accomplish like it has as you say all these different seeds all these different uh individual components but they need to cohere and they just don't they don't nope and we're gonna gain inside some much more detail later when we get to the the line that destroys utterly zero two's character motherfucker and also illuminates this the hollow core of this show and also of many other anime shows my own soul <laughs> yeah so uh, it was extinguished <laughs> so we'll have a lot to say on that but just as an aside folks i want to briefly mention that going forward i'm going to try and cut down significantly on just being nitpicky about the show's logical inconsistencies like there are ones in this episode where like you know they contradict themselves or characters do stupid stuff and I'm not going to bring those up. There's no point because I think that it's more valuable if we're discussing a show like this to actually talk about themes and ideas rather than just simply going through a laundry list of, well, this character's a dumbass because he didn't do this when he should have done. I mean, that doesn't excuse that actual kind of, you know, hiccups there, especially in a show like this, which obviously has not been as thoroughly planned as it should have been. But Let's try, as we get towards the end of the stream of thought, to say something more meaningful on it. At least that's what I'm going to try and do. Not that I'm saying, by the way, Doc's have done that. Doc's actually, you know, been on point throughout the entire series, but I feel like I've been lapsing a bit too much in Snowy Games Cinema Sin style. Ding! This is stupid. Ding! This is bad. <laughs> no. Please don't. Please don't compare yourself to Cinema Sins. Uh, no, we, we, will, we will try to zoom out more. I think this is a, this is a good idea. And I mean, to be fair to you, you know, throughout uh, a lot of the early episodes, I think it was, you know, fair dues to point all that stuff out because we didn't really know at the time where it would go or if these inconsistencies would add up to something or they would be uh, overturned by or revealed to be consistent later. But we know what the show is now, and it's really reached a critical mass of all this sort of thing that you're talking about so we probably yeah i mean won't go so hard into it anymore if we can help it i mean who knows we might just be irked incredibly much by them in the future to feel the need to to get into the weeds on that but yeah no i i hear you i mean by this point it is just par for the course so we don't have to necessarily dwell on it exactly but there is something that we're going to dwell on the thing that i'm alluding to the yep. thing that i'm rubbing my hands over mm-hmm which we will get to, because it's... We'll get there. Yeah. 
anyway, onwards ever onwards, good sir. Yep. Okay, so um, it turns out that the first time that the Verm uh, came, it was only their vanguard uh, that they had always been planning to bring the real heat on this second go-round. And so we get confirmation on stuff we've heard before, largely, and it just gets expanded out a little bit, that the Klaxosaurus retreated. And, you know, at this point, the battle had lasted apparently such a long time that um, sort of the civilization as such was a sort of warrior civilization at that point, that battling was all they knew. It's all that was left for them after this conflict. And so the weaker ones from the conflict evolved magically, I guess, you know, because you can just do that into energy. Uh, And the stronger ones modified themselves to be even stronger weapons. So rather than looking like the queen, they look like these Klaxosaur big robot design things. It turns out that Zero Two was created from the very beginning to pilot Star Entity for humanity, Dr. Franks reveals. Mm -hmm. So ha ha ha, Shaden, they were thinking about it the whole time. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Oh, oh. In your face. You just didn't know about it because no one told you. But it was there the whole time, we promise. Well, you have me at a disadvantage, my good sir. <laughs> truly, truly, I am cornered here. Oh, oh no. Uh, did, I think you called, by the way, the Nines being also uh, clones, quote-unquote, of Zero Two. I didn't, um, actually. I oh, okay. I suggested uh, that they were some... Like I was thinking, like, where did they even come from, the Nines? Like, were they also from... Uh, you know, the Klaxosaur princess's cells? Yes. Kind of. <laughs> like you <laughs> Derivative. Know, derivative. I do really, really like Dr. Franks's, you know, cloning process here, which is like photocopying a photocopy. Yeah, they use the word clone a lot, but that you, that cl- bah, uh, yeah, cloning I mean, unless we're just like super wrong and are not up on the field of genetics, like, I always thought clone Cloning was creating a DNA replica. An exact duplicate. It is. Because I actually but... looked up the term when I after watching this. I, I know I know I said I wasn't gonna get nitpicky here, but I'm not. Here we uh, go. I just, I just find I just find mention that okay, we get an origin for the nines, fine, cool. Yeah. They're like genetic derivatives of so zero two is cloned from the Queen's DNA are cloned, is is recreated based on the is sorry. Zero Two is created uh, based on some kind of genetic compilation of the Queen's DNA and human DNA, and the Nines are created based on Zero Two's DNA. So there's some kind of like the second cousin twice removed or whatever from <laughs> from the Klaxosaur. They apparently don't have the Klaxosaur blood. That was the modification that they the Zero Two was um, Zero Two cells or genes or whatever were were used to make the nines, but they are different because, again, they did not inherit the Klaxosaur blood, so that's perhaps why those horns are translucent rather okay. than physical. You're right, and unfortunately I must now readdress a point I brought up previously. Again, this may come across as nitpicky, but this is relevant to the show's gender politics. So, I asked before why the nines, specifically the male nines, can pilot the Franks in the pistol seat. Because mm-hmm. it's been said before many a time that it has to be a lady there, and then a guy piloting in the rear. You can't have a pistol-on-pistol connection, 
uh, you must have a female in the pistol seat. Now, the theory I had was that the Nines, because they had Klaxor DNA in them or Klaxor blood, they could circumvent that. As that's my, that was my guess. Now, to me, the phrase they don't have the Klaxor blood in them. Maybe I'm being old-fashioned here, but that to me reads that they're not at, they they've not got Klaxor DNA in them at all. Like mm. I'm thinking the bloodline here. You know, like when what. Because the thing is, Zero Two does not have Klaxosaur blood in her either. If you are mm-hmm. literally about talking literally here, she doesn't because her blood is not blue. It was when she was younger. Okay, maybe that's where they got it from then. What? No nitpickiness. I said I wasn't getting <laughs> nitpicky because it's just going to confuse me. But to me, like, if it turns out they don't actually have Klaxosaur DNA or blood in them, then, well, <laughs> we've got the, you know, again, the catch-22 of, okay... It doesn't explain why they get to, you know, break the rules and, you know, have the guys in that particular position. And then you've got the horrific gender politics that you can read in from that as our villains, you know, that they're the strange, unusual, you know, folk who don't do things like in a heteronormative way, but they're wrong for it. And they're not meant to be liked. And that's obviously, you know, not very good for the show's optics at all. So, I don't know, like... Folks at home, again, feel free to mm. chime in and correct me on this if you if you have a better understanding of this. Because I every time they keep bringing this up, I just can't help but think to myself, this is either dumb, and if it's just dumb, that's fine. I won't even get mad at it if it's just dumb. But if it is literally, you know, the the straights versus the queers, and the queers are the hot, are the evil ones. Well, I don't need to tell you that this show is just <laughs> a bag of wank in that case. If that's the if that's the opinion it's espousing. So, uh, anyway, let's continue. Well, the Nines are just slaughtering. They're just wantonly killing aliens. Doesn't matter if they're Claxosaur or Verum. The Nines are cutting them up. Zero Two and Frankie Boy are heading to the Star Entity, which I thought was supposed to explode. Why did they put a time bomb in it? Ah, why did they just not put a so that there are traps in the thing to explode if Sarah Kerrigan tries to pilot it? Why did they make the trap a time bomb? They and didn't. Then... They didn't actually. <laughs> oh, okay. It would have exploded immediately if she was alone, but Hero is holding it back somehow. So, okay. Well, what is the deal with the fucking purple taffy? I don't know. <laughs> what is that? Like, and then it turns know. into what appear to be like muscle tissue later, but it's taffy for a while. And uh, yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> it's just it's it's whatever the verm are using to to fuck up Hero so they can blow up the uh, them. Well, I guess okay. So I guess that the, then if the countdown to critical is not tied to the bomb, it's just some sort of stupid estimate. Then I guess I can forgive it for nothing happening when the counter reaches zero. I thought that was the bomb timer. I don't know. I mean, we've already discussed at length about how Trigger aren't very good with handling countdown timers. I mean, I really, really Indeed. hope. I really, really hope that the the Trigger guys and you know the people working on Franks at least know how to properly time you know making pop tarts because <laughs> I get I really get the impression with how bad they are at countdown timers that every pop tart they've ever baked has come out looking like it's a lump of coal from Satan's backyard. <laughs> Just a studio perpetually over overcooking and burning things. It's perpetually on fire. Yes. That actually that actually would explain the show's production problems, funnily enough. 
uh, Nishigori burned a pizza <laughs> and took out, you know, half the uh, Stu's animation capacity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, so we're in the taffy, and Hero makes uh, a very stirring inspirational speech. I was crying, uh, moved to tears. I, I had to hug people afterward. It was just so glorious and 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 just transcended the medium of anime you know i mean barack obama winston churchill nelson mandela move over hero is here and he's making speeches in the taffy what why do you always say that <laughs> <laughs> well uh, no, nothing can be said <laughs> good good christ on a bike it it was pretty like generic anime stuff I mean, it wasn't things that I was, like, an- annoyed by or thought, like, well, that's wrong or dumb. It was just very much like, you know, you might be giving up, but, like, here's what I learned living is, you know, it's laughing and crying and loving, and I want to protect all that. And it's, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I've just heard it before, but it's fine. Whatever. It would have more resonance if I actually cared about the characters. Yeah. That's the thing, like, I have no issue with, like, you know, that same, you know, message of, you know, the bonds that bind us, you know, the ties that bind us, because of our love and us cherishing our moments with each other, you know, that's important, and that's what gives us strength. I mean, that's the Persona, me- you know, method in a nutshell. But the thing about the- that is that in Persona, broadly speaking, all of the characters were really endearing. I really rooted for them. I'm rooting for no one. <laughs> And I'm just still I'm still rooting for Ichigo. Well, Ichigo screen time. Uh, <laughs> uh, should we? I guess transition to the next scene. Well, okay. So the Verm have ring horny. That's revealed. And so Zero Two and Doctor Frank are gonna go retrieve Strelizia and take back Star Entity. So they go. And uh, coincidentally, all the other Frank's pilots burst through the wall like the, you know, metaphorical Kool-Aid man. And uh, here they are. Uh, They're here and they're going to help the people get in and uh, take back Star Entity. Now, this turns out to not be that simple because there's something blocking their path to get there. And uh, the only way that they could do this before they're overwhelmed by their Verm pursuers is for Ikuno, and uh, I suppose, well, it's, Futoshi doesn't really seem to have much of a hand in this. It seems like Ikuno sort of willed this on her own. Their mech fires a gigantic magma energy blast and uh, clears the way, only to um, have exhausted all of Ikuno's youth in the process. When, When we cut back to her after her rifle blast, uh, she her hair is fully white, and uh-huh. she's du- you know doubled over, breathing hard. Mm-hmm. So tell me why this concerns you. Oh, well, the only thing that I have to ask about this is that we still have had no explanation on if the kids have a shelf life or not. I mean, I suppose you could maybe argue that you know you're worn out by going in that hard on using the Franks, but like I thought that consuming magma energy made you immortal. Again, nitpicky nonsense. It doesn't matter. Yeah, well, it's, it, you know, it's just like the squad, I get 26 uh, kids oh. got used, used up. 
Oh, uh, actually, and sorry. White haired. I had I had a brain fart. I've actually remembered now what does concern me about this. Okay, is it that she looks a lot like the lady that took care of Zorame, and you think there's going to be a time loop, and it's going to be future Kuno that talks to Zorame? Just imagining Darling and the Franks being a time loop makes me want to throw up. <laughs> Imagine perpetually watching this anime. Like we'll get we'll get to Stream of Thought twenty four, the final episode, and I'll open with "Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Stream of Thought," and we're starting a new show today. And you hear like this weird like fuzzing distortion noise on the podcast. <laughs> it's gonna be some Steinsgate shit. No, um, I'll just come Amazing. out. And say, I'll just come out and say it. Like I said before, Akuno is the token lesbian character in this show, and. Would it not be the most amazingly cliched and awful thing ever if she was the first one to bite the bullet as a result? Ah, uh, well, turns out she's not. <laughs> she's alive. Uh, she's not in a great way, but she's alive. Turns out three other characters might have died before her. Well, stay tuned to find out who. The problem with that, though, Doc, is at the very end of the episode, after everything is resolved, uh, we see Janista and Argentia you know, holding each other up as they come out of the caverns where the star entity is. You know who they seem to have forgotten? They didn't bring uh, the, they didn't bring Chlorophyton with them. <laughs> they just left them down there. Oh no. <laughs> so which one of those is Ichigo's? Is that Janista? Uh, no, Ichigo's is Delphinium. Yeah, that is Delphinium present in that shot? I don't remember. No. Okay. Well this is what I mean. Other character well, I, I feel like no, I that can't be. Like they, they can't have Akuno and Futuchi have died without showing them die on screen. Uh, that would be ridiculous. I don't trust this show not to have done it. I mean, like I said, we get the closing shot of Janista and Argentia having survived the Verm onslaught when they were trying to defend Chlorophyton. Yeah, because Chlorophyton goes inactive with Akuno having you know exhausted herself, but they don't end up showing an establishing shot at the end of you know Chlorophyton you know being there. Now, okay. I will fully admit, maybe I missed it. And if I have missed it, and you can point out to me, I will fully admit my error on this. But again, I don't trust this show not to treat Akuno in the worst, most, you know, black person dies first kind of manner. Because it hasn't done anything otherwise with that. Now, this is kind of the, the paradox thing, you know, as it stands with currently getting representation in shows. In that, at the moment, to me, and maybe this makes me out to be an awful person, if it does, I apologise, I'm just... Trying to speak from the perspective again of a cis uh, heck guy. But at the moment, to me, it feels like if you do want to include, you know, uh, LGBTQ plus characters, it's probably behooves your work to make something more of them just having them be token inclusions. Like, otherwise, you get the Mass Effect Andromeda thing where they introduce themselves as trans immediately for no reason, and then it doesn't matter at that point. Now, the reason I say this is a paradox is because as inclusion gets better, the way I see it progressing is then, of course, this won't necessarily be so much of a prominent thing. Like, characters will, you know, be gay, or they'll be straight, or they'll be bi, or they'll be lesbian, etc., etc. And then they have their own, you know, like, you know, arcs that are divorced from their sexuality because, of course, you know, inclusion and equality will be a thing. Mm-hmm. But in this particular show as well, when the sexuality is as coded as it is, it really, really should have done something more with a kudo. And I'm not even talking, you know, in the sense that, like, you know, I... If, if she does die, like, if she survives, that's fine, that's good. That's better than the alternative of having her be a disposable character. But all it's done, as I say, is just to have her admit that she's gay to Ichigo, and then not address, you know, the societal issues at hand here, which is indeed a symptom of this show in general, and they wants to have a lot to say about, you know, 
having children, you know, and, you know, the young and the old. But it doesn't do that in a way that feels modern. It feels very old, ironically. Mm. It feels as mm. old as the people inhabiting the cities. There's no nuance to it. So we'll see. Not seeing Chlorophytes on screen at the end does not automatically mean that, you know, Ikuno and Fatoshi are both dead. That's not necessarily going to be true. Same for Delphinium, for that matter. And Ichigo and Goro. I, yeah, I still stand by my no one's going to die uh, from Squad 13 prediction. We really should have a Deadpool going on this. I feel like I should be putting money down. <laughs> so, just just to restate something, folks. Like, I hope that I come across as pro-inclusion, because that, I think, is, from, from my perspective, a very, very good thing to have. You know, I'm, I'm straight in here, but at the same time, I think that it's good to have, you know, a vibrant mix of narratives. Narratives that are relevant to people's sexuality and to their gender. And that is particularly true in stories in which sexuality and gender are coded as explicitly as they are. I mean, even again back in Scum's Wish, you know, with Etchan trying to figure out her own sexuality and what that meant for, you know, Hanabi. That was compelling for me to watch, even you know, as someone who isn't in that world. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to like be able to. I don't think like strongly personally identify with a character to enjoy the character and see the universal and see the human in it. Yeah, you know, they don't have to be like, they don't have to sort of have a one to one match with you on the demographics chart. I think you know. Oh no, absolutely. And I think for me, it always boils down to that one thing, which is it's always about people expressing and being comfortable with themselves. And that ties back into what I said about the idea that H-Bomber guy came up with of, you know, the person coming out of the machine. The machine is not necessarily a robot. It is something that girds and sets people back and holds them back from embracing themselves and their identity and their humanity. Mm -hmm. That has not happened with Ikuno. Not even close like that goal that objective that it could have aimed for at the moment is in a different country it's not even takes anywhere <laughs> near the boxes it needs to to cover that and that i think is a shame and i should stress by the way while i'm focusing on akuno here this applies as well in terms of just you know fulfillment and embracing their identity for a lot of the other characters as well uh, we will get to that with Zero Two very soon. Fuck this show. Oh, motherfuck. I don't want to talk about that. But yeah, we're pro-representation and inclusion here. Uh, just n- not tokenism and not uh, shoehorning in to, uh, to, to advance or, or propagate uh, outdated, bad, phobic ideas. Exactly. Sure, sure. Um, well after that whole bit uh frank reveals he's got a tube of dna in his arm and Mm -hmm. uh the door rips it off of him and he's able to go in uh you know and why zero two couldn't have gone in having the same dna uh as the princess you know uh I'm, i'm unsure but we'll try not to dwell on that apparently that was needed uh or whatever um, and Delphinium has to hold off more pursuers, and it starts to get torn apart uh, before Goro sort of gives a, a big push, and they plunge over the side of uh, 
cliff and down into a bottomless pit, uh, a la, you know, Luke Skywalker at the end of Empire Strikes Back. And, <laughs> and we can I just say we have actually passed the point in which Zero Two discusses with Doctor Franks the line in question. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Month, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, let's all right. let's do it. Yeah. Let's talk about this fucking scene. God, I, I mean everything about it, like, is just so horrible, so fucking bad, like. Franks is trying to garner sympathy, trying to do... I mean, maybe he's not trying to garner sympathy. He's trying to do something to atone. Mm-hmm. Now. Now. Yeah, says the man with a, with a tube of Klaxosaur DNA for a hand. Like... I, no. That, no. How, no! Why? Like, I mean, I understand the whole deathbed confession thing, but... As we've established, he is an atheist without ethics or morals. Uh, man, like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, really, like, he expressed no hint of remorse from exactly. the beginning all the way to now. Like, yeah, exactly. he was gleefully doing those experiments on a young Zero Two because, and I don't want to hear any of this nonsense about him being concerned with the greater good. Like, that's what pushed him on to to create uh, a, a pilot for Star End, or whatever the fuck it's called. Is it Star End? Star Entity. Yeah, okay, Star Entity. Uh, and that is, that's what drove him on. Garbage. That is garbage. garbage. He, re- he revealed that it was this pursuit of, of beauty that consumed him. He was, like, enamored with the ex- experiments and the science and the evolution for its own sake, you know, uh, and because he wanted to see, he just wanted to see what would happen. It had nothing to do with, like, humanity's continued survival. He had given up on humanity. So why now he has, like, this 180-degree change of heart, like, I was wrong, like, let's save humanity. Uh, I'm sorry for what it did. This is the only thing I can do to atone. It's such fucking bullshit. Like, oh, so bad. Yeah, I'm in agreement. Hated it. I, I mean, for me, in fiction, 11th hour, you know, end of the world, I did wrong. Uh, please forgive me, confessions do not hold any water. This scene would have been fine. Well, not this scene, this stuff from Franks specifically. Would have been fine if there had been moments of remorse leading up to this. Not, yeah. even, not even necessarily ones that he might have shown to Zero Two directly. Maybe in a discussion with Hatchie, he feels some sort of, you know, remorse, or feels like he wants to repent. Maybe, you know, we could have had him thinking back to Karina, perhaps briefly, you know, rather than having her be, you know, someone who dies to advance the plot. They, there's an idea for you. <laughs> they probably didn't even remember her name at this point. <laughs> no, exactly. And... You know what you said, Doc, about people apologizing, you know, for the greater good? Like, I will get nitpicky here. If he wired it to be for the greater good, he didn't need to do any of the horrible experiments he did to Zero Two. Like, if if she is your golden goose that is necessary to win the day, A, make as many of them as possible, I would start with. B, don't treat them like shit. There's no need for it. There's no reason why Zero Two could have not have been raised... Like all the other parasites. Now, don't get me wrong, that's still bad. 
but it's not the same as having Franks, you know, shoot holes in her with a fucking rifle or whatever the fuck he was doing, or electrocuting her, and also, you know, not giving her a basic education, or clothes, or a bed. How many, you know, how many attributes do you want me to dig up here from episode 13? The grace of God. Fucking bollocks. It was bollocks in Hot Fuzz, and it's bollocks here. Yeah. And this is why... This is why that they sort of ignored uh, the fact that Zero Two, logically speaking, could open that door as someone who contains the DNA. Of You're the right. You're so right. Because they, they wanted that goddamned dickhead to have his moment of atonement. And he didn't deserve it. No, he didn't. Uh, and and he speaking of things he doesn't deserve. Oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. Uh, okay, I have to take a deep breath, because just talking about this, it's infuriating to me. So, like, well, first of all, a Klaxosaur snake appears, and it's like, ride me, Zero Two, uh, fulfilling the uh, fantasies of every young boy watching this show. Mm-hmm. Approaching Zero Two and saying, ride me, huh? Zero Two riding a giant snake, do you get, get it? it? Do you get it? Ha, ha, ha. I actually don't think that was the intended subtext, but I I found it funny. Anyway, uh, but like, why why are they doing this? Like, why are they approaching this human that, you know, maybe because she looks like the princess? I guess that's the only justification I can come up with. She's close enough to the princess to, you know, be able to control the, the, the serpents that she can, but is not close enough to open the same door. Shruggo... Well, like, I mean, if they knew who this, this is a person who's been systematically trying to destroy them. I mean, and it, maybe they don't know. I don't know. It was just weird. It was weird. And it just felt like, again, some like cheap emotional bullshit, like where they wanted a Klaxosaur to sacrifice its life and have the scene of life going out of its eyeball to do a little tearjerker. Mm-hmm. Because I don't really know why that that would have happened otherwise. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me or ring true with the rest of this show. But before she rides the snake, ha 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 ha, uh, she, you know, she has a conversation with Dr. Pranks. And she says to him, thank you for creating me and letting me meet my darling. Ah. <sighs> You want to go first on this, or shall I, Doc? It's just, it's just such horrible. It's just such bad messaging. Like, it seems like it's like justifying all kinds of shitty behavior of parents. You know, you made me. Like, without you, I wouldn't exist. So I have to like tip my cap to you and not hate you uh, because I'm alive because of you, and I got to experience all this good stuff. You, he's not owed anything. Not a goddamn thing. And on top of not being owed a goddamn thing, he was an absolute, just maniacal, evil, horrible human being who did awful things to her. He does not deserve thanks from the show. The show should not be, like, saying this sort of thing. Uh, It's garbage. It's garbage. And I know there are some people that are like, family, the familial bond, even though, again, this is like, you know... They would probably separate being sort of genetically engineered in a tube 
from like that's not the same thing as fathering a child and everything to to people to some people but look you know for all intents and purposes he's her father and fucking fuck this bullshit i mean just fuck it fuck it Mm -hmm. fuck it yeah okay where do i begin with this uh first off zero two through this line is basically saying to him thank you for torturing me because she would yeah. have never had the context for actually meeting Hero in the first place were she not put in those atrocious conditions. So, thank you for torturing me so I could meet this guy. Thank you. I mean, what the damn it. What the fuck? What in the flying blue fuck is this? And there's a lot of things just beyond the stuff with Franks as well that we need to discuss with this, because... To me, at this point, Zero Two as a character no longer exists. That is mm. it. She has evaporated into the mist, like she does in the OP. Like, she doesn't exist anymore. Like, if she dies later in this show, it's irrelevant. Her character is now gone. Now, I said in a previous episode, I made a comparison between this show and Phantom Requiem for the Phantom, and by fucking Christ, did this really become crystal for me. <laughs> because I remembered the scene in which fucking Erin says to Scythemaster as she's about to kill him, the man who abused her all her life. See the comparisons here, folks. I'm not doing this. You know, I'm doing this for him. For him. Specifically. <sighs> I hadn't thought about that ending in forever. Yeah. Fuck so, that ending. Fuck it's this so ending. Fuck this ending. It's the same fucking thing. Oh, it's, and it's not even over. <laughs> no! At least Phantom had the good grace to be done by that point. I, by the way, you made me uh, think about Phantom, so I've pulled out my Phantom Phantom of the Inferno DVD uh, visual novel. And on the back, uh, a company called Anime Lay TM has, has something to do with this. Uh, Communet also on the back it says an interactive DVD that defines the anime all caps anime generation <laughs> Phantom doesn't define shit well maybe the visual like you said let's maybe the, visual... the yeah I think yeah from um uh oh why can I not remember his name what you from what yellow uh told us that the visual novel is actually wasn't it Arimachi did that? Yeah. Than the TV show. It was, yes. yes. Yeah, it's it's got to be at least so, decent then. It just, that's a great description. An interactive DVD that defines the anime generation. Amazing. <laughs> All right, so back to, back to this bollocks, right? Back to this horseshit. There's a lot that I need to lay into this because I feel like this is a thing that needs to be unraveled and needs to go, we need to go down to the core of it because this right here to me is... You know, was it Hayao Miyazaki who once made that famous refrain of anime is a mistake? Well, that was uh, mistakenly attributed to him, but yes. <laughs> okay. He's the one. Well, I imagine, like, I only knew of that secondhand, but I imagine, of course, that was out of context. He was prob If it was him, he was referring to something else. But even then, if it's misattributed, right. different, different thing. But Yeah. No, I mean, it's by misattributed, I don't mean someone else. I mean, like, like you said, it was this out of context thing that people thought he meant, but he didn't actually yeah say that <laughs> well let me borrow that phrase and apply it in this context here and i'll explain i need to expand on this now for me this kind of anime is a mistake because this anime 
is constructed as a lot are, such as Sword Art Online, where you will have a flavourless, bland, sanctified, holier-than-now male protagonist, devoid of any real personality traits or character flaws, or indeed a character arc, who looks plain and generic, and he will meet a woman, or women, who usually are quite hyper-competent, usually visually appealing in various respects. And throughout the course of this story, this hero will prove him, this, this guy, you know, will get the girl in spite of his complete absence of qualities. Like, they almost are opposites in that the woman in these stories has all the qualities, all the appealing factors, you know, big boobs, great ass, coloured hair... There you go. That's all the factors. that You've exa- done an exhaustive list of all appealing factors. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Steady on, son. Uh, you know what I mean, though. Like, you know, and as well as personality traits, quirkiness, the manic pixie dream kill archetype. You mm-hmm. name it. Now, this to me is not art. This is pandering. It's pandering of the worst kind because it denigrates both the audience who are men and the audience who are women. Uh, just a quick prefix, by the way, before anyone intervenes and starts, you know, rambling about feminism or bullshit like that. This would apply equally in reverse, I should stress. It's just, of course, it doesn't uh, often, if ever, because, you know, demographics and all that. But generally speaking, I cannot fucking stand shows that take a completely flavorless, plain, calorie-free character as a protagonist, pair them with a character who is... Great at, great at life, great at living, stands out, has a unique personality, you know, visually appealing, all the good stuff, and somehow implies that they will, you know, become involved romantically or intimately in any way, shape, or form because of some hitherto unknown attribute that that bland person possesses that no one else can see. It is lying to the people who watch this, these kinds of shows that it whispers sweet somethings into their ears that says, it's okay, you know, you can, you will someday meet the girl of your dreams and you will have to do nothing, nothing whatsoever in order to, you know, win their heart. You don't have to do a damn fucking thing. You just have to, like, meet her when you're tiny. Yeah. Now, okay, I will give, <laughs> I, I will give Hero credit in that, yes, he did rescue Zero too. That's fine. That's admirable even. That's the one admirable thing he's done throughout the show's run. But Hero as an adult is not the hero as a kid. His behaviour throughout the show has often been downright stupid or offensive or just plain insulting to other characters the way he treats Ichigo. That one line, you know, you're a monster bullshit to Zero Two. People have said, okay, don't give Zero Two any slack because she was abusing him. Fair. But there is context for why she acted the way she did. There is no context at all for Hero dropping a line like that and an insult. And then guess what? It's all resolved in the following episode anyway. It tells you that you can be cruel and offensive and mean to people. You know, particularly the love of your life. And they'll just get over it. It's fine. There aren't any consequences to your bad behaviour. There aren't any consequences for you having no personality or nothing that defines you. It doesn't teach you to be better. It teaches you to be worse or to not try because of this effervescent nothing that the character, you know, opposite you, like fucking Asuna from Sword Art Online or whatever, will see in you that no one else can. 
it lies to its audience. It denigrates the characters in it and it denigrates the audience as well. And it's symptomatic of, you know, so much in anime that I don't like. So I think that that's a real... So I just want to stop you right there and say that the so much part I think is really key because, you know, I think both of us are are generally fine with like escapism. And, you know, you could talk about like the story elements and, and tropes uh, that you brought up as like escapist fiction. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's and that's fine. Like, but and I again, I'm very pro it. I consume a lot of uh, escapist fiction like this. But two things. One, it seems to be that like a whole bunch of anime marketed to this, you know, otaku niche uh, engages in this. So it's like if if this is all you're kind of consuming, like, you know, if your media diet isn't balanced, like it's going to, um, you know, affect your view of the world to some degree, which is why I think like variety in the media diet is good, uh, no matter what you're consuming. You know, if you're reading the Bible every day or watching Frank's every day, like you could probably stand to do other things than that. Yes, exactly. Uh, mi- mix them up to to give you perspective and, and different different points of view. Uh, the other thing is that I don't think Frank's has the get out of jail free card of escapism because if we're simply escapism, I just, I don't think you can, that's like trying to have your cake and eat it too. That's like getting to say whatever you want and then saying it was just a joke because it's been making all these societal points or at least trying to and, and has these messages. And I just don't think you can say they're not there. Like, and you, and if you do that sort of thing, I think you sort of lose uh, the the escapism hatch. We'll call it the escapism hatch. That's a nice, that's a fun <laughs> the, term. The escape hatch. Yes, the escape escapism hatch. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just wanted to stop and and, and add that. Uh, no, with, that... The, with the with on the front end, like we're fine with escapism as such. But here's these reasons why we still have an issue with Frank's doing this. Yes, exactly. On top of that, this isn't just Zero 2, you know, treating heroes no, like this holy that thing. Like, everything that happens in this episode, everyone's sacrificing themselves or throwing themselves in harm's way is to save him. It's nothing to do with her. Like, they mentioned, like, you know, going after her, but in the end, it's all about him as it always fucking was. Like, character episodes be damned. Mitsuru and Kokoro, you know, hooking up, be damned. None of it matters. I mean, that whole, like, I just groaned when, in this episode, Sarah Kerrigan's doing her own thing, but then when her consciousness and Hero's consciousness touch, that she gets that look in her eye, like, what? Who is this special boy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, ah, oh, why? <laughs> like, he's the one. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be entirely unfair here. I know full well that, you know, a scenario like this, as I've said actually on this very stream before, is appealing to people. It's appealing to me. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, the idea of meeting someone who has that unique, you know, personality mix and is drop-dead gorgeous and only has eyes for me, that's intoxicating to think about. But it's completely divorced from reality. It's completely divorced even from the fact that I know that I have a decent personality. I could probably, you know, chop a storm as opposed to, you know, Hero and his brain-dead self. Like, not to big myself up too much there, but I'm just speaking, you know, like the fact that I can at least recognize 
this does not reflect reality in the slice. But there are people out there who have a low self-esteem who I can imagine probably do, you know, read into this as a source of comfort. And it's a lie. And that's the thing that ties Franks together in general, in that it takes easy answers as opposed to actually having hard, genuine discussions. Like, the whole idea, for example, of, you know, the young being consumed by the old, and the fact that, you know, kids need to, you know, start populating the planet again, we need to get birth rates up, it doesn't discuss any of that. The show yeah. does not actually go into any detail on this. It is cliff notes every single time. Well, and and more to your point as well about being divorced from reality, like, we see it every episode when the people don't act like people, which makes the show feel even more like an idea vehicle. Because all these situations seem to occur because, as you pointed out time and again, these people aren't acting like people. They're not talking to each other. Yeah. They're not thinking in the way that you and I would feel like, oh, this is natural to think this way. And sure, maybe some of the time there's uh, the, the reason we think intuitively differently than others would be cultural differences. But I don't think that's necessarily the case all the time. Yeah. So I I get like, you know why shows like Franks are made. Because at the end of the day, anime must make money. Now, that still makes me, of course, very grateful for other shows I've seen that are more affirming of, you know, self-development, like Violet Evergarden, which I finished very recently. Or even shows like Megalobox. Like, Megalobox has a lead male character who, you know, he's a fucking Adonis. Like, you know, he's built. He's a, he's a leaf boxer guy. Like, you know, does he ooze machismo from every pore of his fibre? Uh, sorry, every every pore of his being? Does he, you know, say, I'm not afraid of shit? No, he's very afraid. But he says that he has ways of coping with it. He's a human being and he teaches us that, you know, even, you know, when you're as strong as that, you still need to, you know, recognize that you can be afraid and that you can fight past it. Like, there's a thing, right? There's a thing in, of, of all things Star Trek, which is that the idea that, you know, one day we'll all be, you know, past the point of having conflicts. Conflict is what makes us human. Recognizing that we are flawed individuals and bettering ourselves for it is what makes us human. You know, when we check ourselves, when we're about to do something terrible, and maybe we do do something terrible and then we reflect on it and we grow as people, or we stop ourselves from doing it in the first place. That hasn't happened with Hero. Like, even in episode 15, when he recognized, oh, I fucked up by calling Zero to a monster, he coached it in terms that were entirely about himself. He is a shockingly terrible main character because he exists as a self-insert. And I cannot fucking stand shows like this. I cannot stand shows like this that dilute characters for the sake of putting others on pedestals by lowering others down to bring someone up to give mm. the audience, the target audience that is, you know, false comfort. Right. This is the beef I had with um, Big Wind-Up, the baseball anime. Hmm. That's This is it. And I get why shows like this are made. Like, you know, these shows are popular because they are appealing to people who are, you know, in that rut where they don't feel like, you know, that they have anything to sell to the world as far as their, you know, unique traits or like their personality or their appearance. I totally get that. I'm there. I've been there. I probably am still there. But I think that anime needs to grow up. It needs to mature. It needs to get past that way of thinking where we have characters like Kirito and Hero acting as audience proxies that offer them soothing comfort in a, a blanket of lies. That's what, that's an amazing phrase. Perpetuate, soothing comfort in a blanket of lies. That's that's excellent. Because it, it 
it's not going to cause them to change or challenge themselves. These you know mm. these people. It's not going to you know make people want to you know best themselves. Hero has not actually, as far as the show is concerned, ever done anything wrong except calling Zero to a monster, and the consequences for that were trivial. Everything else he has ever done has been sidelined, and everyone worships the ground he works on. I, I fucking despise it. And with this line, I can't believe how long I'll be going on here, like, you know, they'll just be bottling this up, but with this line that Zero Two delivers, her character evaporates, and it becomes Crystal. This is not a show about telling a story. It is a show about offering that falsehood rather than mm. challenging it, destroying it, and then creating something new from it, creating a new understanding, as it should be. And I get why that is, because this stuff sells. And then maybe, maybe we want to look at the reasons why this sells. Why, you know, the target audience for the these shows might feel so low as they do to think, okay... This show is fucking dog shit, but I'm okay with it because it gives me that comfort. I would rather that, you know, I mean, this is pipe dream nonsense I'm talking about here. I know full well, pragmatically, that there's no way this will ever happen. But God fucking forbid we ever get a different kind of Darling in the Franks, which is about two very flawed characters discovering what it means to be human, making mistakes, learning from each other, growing and maturing as a genuine couple, rather than you know, this sanctified non-character that we have, this almost divine mm. being who exists here solely so you can go in his shoes if you just project a tiny little bit. <sighs> and scene. <laughs> no, I hear you, man. I I am on board with, with much of what you say there. Like, absolutely. Absolutely. So we get our countdown to zero, our countdown to critical, uh, and nothing happens. Uh, everyone is fine. Uh, even though, you know, zero two has, uh, she's uh, ridden the snake to ho 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 into <laughs> the room and it has died. And she finds uh, her boy covered in what used to be taffy, but again, now appears to be muscle tissue. So uh, th- she thinks that hero is dead. And, you know, she turns red, uh, her horns become full antlers, and there's lots of tears. And she's, I don't even remember what she says. She's just basically like, you know, no, darling, I won't give up. And then the spirit of Sarah Kerrigan emerges. It's like, well, maybe we've been doing it wrong for millions of years, by Jove. We thought that tunneling into the earth and uh, being solitary and refining ourselves as weapons was the way to go. But maybe, just maybe, there are some organisms that shine brightest when they are together. Uh, So hooray for human bonds and the power of love, and she's so impressed that she gives them uh, all her remaining power to bust out of the purple prison and Mm. says, like, you know, this is all I have. I'm giving you my remaining strength. Uh, what you do with it, ultimately, whether you succeed or fail is up to you, but I'm giving you a chance here. Uh, I'm giving you a chance to save the planet. And with She sacrifices herself so that uh, Strelizia can become Strelizia Apis? Strelizia Pap Apaf, whatever. It was, it was supposed to be, last episode it was subbed as, as Apaf. Like, it's, so he's saying Apas, Apas. But it was spelled like Apath. 
but now it is spelled like a pus. Uh, so, you know. Just something I want to throw in as well as well. Um, in the Caddo cast, I said that... God, what was his fucking name again? Shin- Shindo? The negotiator? Yeah. I think, yeah, was Shin- Shindo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shindo's daughter ended up being just as much of a guffin as anything else in the show, like the devices that were presented in that anime. I'd make the same comparison here between Sarah Kerrigan and Frank Harney and Star NC. Did Sarah Kerrigan have a character? No. Was Sarah Kerrigan ever portrayed as anything other than MacGuffin in the show? No. I mean, <laughs> I, you think I'm joking? But Franks, <laughs> Dr. Franks, literally lust after as an object to, you know, manipulate and control, never as a person. Like, that's he's the only character who's ever had any long-term interaction with her. So, what a fucking great character she turned out to be. By which I mean she didn't. At all. <laughs> man yeah another uh late entry into the show who poof wasted so yeah there are tears and uh Strelizia becomes its old color scheme uh and breaks out of the traps and the verm are like oh no it broke out of the traps and then you know, they say, well, peace out. We don't want anything to do with you, but we'll take Ring Horny and go away for a while. From away! Da-da-da! <laughs> but we'll be back. We'll be back. And, you know, they do just that. And Alpha 9 is standing at the top of a pile of corpses, whispering, Papa. Can I actually throw something out here that will probably surprise you? Believe it believe it or not. Sure. Like, this episode is the pits, don't get me wrong, but if there's one thing I'm actually genuinely surprised they did do, earlier in the episode, the nines bar the way for our heroes. And right. my reaction was, right, this is it. This is the fucking fight. This is the throwdown. This is, you know, the mosh pit between the nines and our heroes. And it doesn't happen. Now, in an alternate timeline, I would probably be very angry about this. But I'm actually okay with it. I actually think it's a good thing for the show. Although that being said, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Nine Alpha decides to do something in the later episode as we wrap up the series. But I'm okay with it. Because I think it's meant to impress on us the fact that, you know, for someone even as indoctrinated as him, it's still a stab in the back what's happened. He's as arguably as much a victim as anyone else. I mean, one of his fellows is flat out devoured by the Verm drones. Like, they rip uh, that particular... I don't know which nine. Yeah, I think two of them uh, are are killed. Yeah, they flat out tear it apart like the, you know, mm-hmm. like lions ripping apart an antelope. It's, it's quite yeah. graphic. It is, and they burst the cockpit. Yeah, they do. So, you know what? Like, I've honestly had it down pat, like, you know, one-to-one odds that there was going to be a fight between the Nines and our heroes. And I'm actually okay with that not being the case. I will credit the episode this for not going down the obvious path, and instead actually allowing us to have some sympathy for these cartoon villains. They might have to now, though. Now that the Verm are gone, I feel like the the obvious antagonists, you know, if there will be them uh, between now and the Verm returning, 
it like is the sort of uh the ronin nines right the kind of unhinged masterless like oh no our whole entire worldview has been shattered and we have nothing to live for it's all been a lie there's going to be roving around killing indiscriminately and they have to be put down that could be the way that the show goes for an episode or two who who can say we'll find out i don't think that it will but it's i could it's possible Uh, my my prediction is something else (laughs) but uh and then oh the final the final scene is hero just being like oh yeah zero two we did it zero two is it zero zero two and then cut to her and her antlers break off and she's just sort of like stock still complication being implication being that she has died or as you say fallen into some kind of coma end episode oh oh you forgot you forgot the best scene of the episode franks gets crushed by a boulder yeah, <laughs> Woo! yeah Woo! that's right <laughs> it's like utsukushi it's so beautiful ah, it's so beautiful crush <laughs> bye bye frank verna frank you will not be missed you absolute bastard i was very happy to see that happen finally finally that fucker got turned into ketchup amazing been a long time coming good good fucking riddance and of of course no one gets to exact their revenge upon him we're thanking him and fucking bowing at his feet or letting him live so that he can do bullshit later for the goddamn story neither sarah kerrigan nor zero two get to do it nope it's just a random goddamn falling rock Fuck that man. He should he should get to be dusted by one of the ladies who he wronged. I mean, he is like a perpetuator along with the verm of like mass genocide and you know, horrible individual abuses. I mean, it just that that person that there's no sort of like karma or cosmic justice for other people. It just happens for it, it just so I mean, I'm glad he's dead, but I mean, Boulder's pretty weak. Uh, I think we should be grateful we got even that, to be honest, so... There's not, like, a fucking kingdom that has risen up. Frank sitting on the throne and clones kissing his feet and shit. Yeah. Let's take our wins where we can get them. Uh, speaking of, like, well, not speaking of. I don't know why I said that. I'm bad at segues. Uh, there's a part that I wanted to ask you about, and, uh, we talked about this off-cast, but just to, to put it on record... Uh, I thought that um, the Queen's sacrifice to ensure the future of the planet was at least an attempt of the show saying that, okay, here's a way that you can positively uh, affect the future and make your mark on humanity and society uh, through sacrifice. Now, again, I don't think that the show is creating this exhaustive taxonomy saying like, here are the ways. Bing, have a kid. Bing, become a martyr. But at least this is one of those alternatives that you talked about that uh, the show didn't uh, put forward in the previous episodes that it emphasized this. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to get your thoughts, yeah. For me, I, I absolutely see where you're coming from there, Doc, and like, you know what, I'll take any alternative, even if it's one which is literally sacrifice as opposed to babies like that 
Like, <laughs> a taxonomy, as you say, would be very welcome if that was the only thing they were going for, but whatever, I'll take it. That being said, this would have had a lot more resonance with me and held a lot more water if Sarah Kerrigan was, well, a character that I couldn't jokingly refer to as Sarah Kerrigan. That's entirely fair. <laughs> like, if there had been actual development for the Queen, and, you know, some backstory, like, you know, given earlier in the show, maybe if she had existed prior to the second half, and we got to feel some semblance of, you know, a lo- loneliness or, you know, change, I-, I don't fucking know, something to make me connect with her emotionally, then I would have been okay with that. But as it stands... Nope, no way, never, nope. Well, okay, that's the episode. I mean, do you have any big picture things you want to say, or are you ready to rate it? I gave it the biggest picture look I could have done. Like, I don't think, I feel like, much like Zero to and Akuno, I have probably burned myself out early on giving that very long, tortured rant on, you know, this show's construction, its nature, its intent, how it is a wolf in sheep's clothing that, you know, ultimately only exists to, you know, put its lead character on a pedestal at the expense of everyone else solely because it's not interested in actually telling a story as opposed to providing that comfort blanket for people, you know. It was a good rant, though. I liked it. Well, I'll let's put it this way, right? Folks, unless anything really significant happens, I think you'll probably got as much insight as ever will happen out of Darling and the Franks from me. Like, I mean, good Christ, we've been doing this now for like six months nearly. Oh, just even saying that makes me feel ill. <laughs> what a waste of time. <laughs> I could have been... No, been look, we've been... About... Inter- I know. I well, it's Yes, I try to like keep reminding myself we've been entertaining the people. We've been doing that, uh, at least, yeah. And we've been entertaining ourselves, of course, as well. Yep, uh-huh, 100%. Yeah. The, uh, ca- ca- catharsis yeah. through bad bad media is always, you know, perfectly viable and perfectly valid. So I'm okay with that. So I don't have any big picture stuff to add about this episode that I've not already covered. The only things I could conceivably talk about would be, as I say, the speculation on the future of the kids and the world at large, which will be answered when we get to the end of the show. And, well, like I say... What a wonderful ending that would be if it turned out that they'll all become rednecks and inbreed themselves into extinction within a few generations. What a wonderful note this fucking piece of shit show would end on. But as for this particular episode, I'm going to give it... 1.5 token giant Klaxosaur spears out of 5. I also give it 1.5 purple taffy out of 5. Yeah. Yes. I, I do want to talk about what my prediction will be for the remaining episodes, or at least the next episode. Go on then, Doc. Send it my way. Hit me with your crystal ball. Okay. The train has already departed the tracks. Uh, so, and by departed the track, I mean, it's just, just off the rails. Like, it's, it's we've jumped the shark. The sh- it's clearly going off into who the fuck knows where. So... The Verm have left, and I did not think that would happen so quickly. Uh, I thought that the protracted battle would take up most of the rest of the show, if not the entire rest of the show. But now that they're gone, I can very much see the show, and the show has pulled that ridiculous twist before, doing this. 
It's centuries in the future. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Perhaps even millennia in the future. And civilization has once again, like, raised up to the technological heights because of the people left behind. Sorry, I've just, I've got to say that when you said that, I'm just hearing Star Trek The Next Generation theme in my head. (laughs) Fuck. Like, Zero Two, still alive, frozen in the comatose state, but the return of the Verm breaks her out of it somehow, and so she remains, and, you know, perhaps the descendants of the other team remain to fight the Verm. That's my crazy off the like reservation uh, prediction, and I think that this show is like it's it's there. Like to say like no way this show wouldn't do. Oh yes, it will do anything. It this show is beholden to nothing. No, it'll have it'll have its lead female character forgive the guy who tortured her basically from birth because you know. It allowed her to meet the guy of her dreams. Fucking way. All those messages and important things that it was at least gesturing at went up in smoke with the Verm and their sort of their shadow hand uh, creation of the current human civilization, their manipulation stuff. So like they could, the show could just easily flip the script once again in a very sort of gunbuster or diebuster way and be like, well, next episode. I mean, especially because the fucking, I think part of the reason I think this is because the entire societal structure and political system has been, it's just gone. It's gone. And I think the show has, we've seen it's not necessarily interested in giving little details about how things come to be. So I think it might be more interested in showing sort of a a high point of the civilization or at least where they get to and not necessarily how they get there. So I feel like a time skip is happening, but I guess Kokoro's, I mean the Kokoro baby, like they would, they would be dropping that like a, like a ton of bricks if they, if they did this. And you know, frankly, it might be good if they did, (laughs) but, but if they skip ahead, they, you know, if they skip very far ahead, then they'll just leave behind the whole, Kokoro Mitsuru pregnancy thing. But hey, like we said, they've left behind things before. Okay, so predictions. Well, <clears throat> Franks, the show, at least at the midpoint, built itself around being a fairy tale, The Beast and the Prince. So, of course, we had, I can't even believe I didn't mention the time, we had Hero rescuing Zero Two from a tower, you know, Rapunzel, etc, etc, etc. What is one of the most famous um, fairy tales of all time? That would be Sleeping Beauty. I have a feeling the show is not going to end in the future. Zero Two is now comatose for the remainder of the show's run. Death death to all sterols. (laughs) Well, here's what will happen. It will be something to the effect of, like, well, it'll be nine months on. And you probably know why it's going to be nine months on. Uh Uh-huh. Because it'll be Christmas time! Christmas That's with why, the right? Frexes! <laughs> Babies. Babies. Bebes. There will be a montage of, you know, humanity rebuilding. The kids doing something. Maybe some of the adults will still be around. I mean, I know Hatchie will probably be around at the very least. 
So token efforts will be underway to get things back up to speed. I mean, we've already had the kids establishing that they know how to be self-sufficient to some respects. So there's that. Zero Two will still be comatose. We'll have a scene of Mitsuru and Kokoro. Kokoro probably holding the baby. Mitsuru, like, you know, hand on her shoulder or something, looking out as the sun rises. There will be a monologue by Hiro, or possibly Ichigo, uh, detailing the future. You know, we must remain vigilant, but for now we can rebuild. You know, we can be the masters of our own destiny. Hero will visit Zero Two in the hospital or wherever she is that she is still comatose. He will kiss her on the lips. Wapens, of course, is Sleeping Beauty. Now that won't happen on scene. He will leave. And the closing word of the show will be Zero Two slowly coming to and saying the word darling. There you go. Cut to black. That's it. So over the course of three episodes, all that'll happen? Yes, because this show is that fucking stupid. Woohoo! <laughs> At some point, also, Alpha 9 will show up with a knife and try to kill Kokoro's baby. You know, I just Guaranteed. had a, I had a horrible... <laughs> I had a really horrible issue of him actually stealing the baby. Doesn't he hate, like, everything about that? I guess maybe he'd try to raise it or something. No, I think I think he's just like, know. you know... I think maybe he tries to use it as a cover for his escape. Ah. Uh, Make a move on me and the kid dies! <laughs> God. Yeah, so, I mean, we have no idea, but those are fun. Those are fun thought experiments. Indeed. Alrighty. Ugh. So, uh, thanks everybody. Thanks for, for sticking with us. We are so very close to the end. I cannot wait. God, I... I'm gonna throw a party. I know. <laughs> you know what, right? If there's nothing else I can take away from, from Frank's as, a, as an experience... I can at least say that, you know, all sides to it being pointing to, like, you know, that people are not embracing it. Like, there is certainly that hardcore fan base out there who are apologetic for it in such degrees that I can't understand. But I get the impression that this show's negative reception and the fact that it seems to not be doing particularly well in the ratings hopefully means maybe that, you know, we will have a nudge in the direction that I suggested before. You know, where we start getting a more mature story, like... Just a sideline, I'm sorry, just a sidestep and discuss something very briefly. Like, the whole idea, you know, of not having kids. As I've said before, if Frank's wanted to actually be meaningful about that discussion, it would need to actually discuss issues as irrelevant to today. You know, that it's too expensive to raise children. That the environment in which they are raised is toxic and often, you know, produces other children who do not want in terms to have kids. I mean, our current generation, how many, how many people in Japan do not want to even, you know, get close to women because they're fucking petrified of them because of the experiences they had in school without accounts narrative to dispel that. Probably quite a fair few. I've seen clips of documentaries on that that show what these people mm-hmm. are like. There are people that I know who, you know... They're making are... anime now. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So, so says, uh, it's funny, you know, you brought up the anime and it was a mistake thing, and, you know, that was... I think that's a lot of what he was talking about, right? Was that, like, anime today is by and large made by a group of people that don't interact with other people so they don't really know what relationships and human interaction and behavior is is like in the situations they're depicting yeah exactly and that is a crying shame because i i swear blind like i will defend anime as a genre not as a medium because a genre because 
it is it's more of a genre the way i describe it it's a medium don't don't give me it's a medium all right fine i'll, I'll def- fight I, you i will def- <laughs> i will defend it in general because it has given us shows like violet evergarden like scum's wish like ancient mage's bride like madica magica like frontier like all mm-hmm. of the amazing things i've seen like Wari desho from its beginning has been a journey for me like i had not seen maybe two dozen shows of anime in my entire life and now i've probably doubled that and sure some of them have been shite some of them have been absolutely <laughs> shockingly awful usually the ones i pick myself but i will defend this i will defend anime because it has given us such wonderful experiences that do affirm human connection human flaws but also human strength and the ability to overcome you know to recognize that yeah you're not perfect there are ways in which you know you will probably be on a- yourself well you know <laughs> like there are ways in which you know you are not perfect but rather than simply saying well it's okay the world will accommodate you by giving you this person on a plate it will in- instead say to you you can learn about this and you can be better so that for me you know is the thing i will defend and the thing that ultimately i want to see happen going forward less shows like this not so much the concept of darling in the franks like you know the idea of you know post-apocalyptic doses is defended by kids piloting giant robots that concept is you know perfectly viable and could have been in great even if it was just simply a crazy action show but i just want less anime like this less stories like this that say it's okay you don't have to be anything at all and you will be accommodated as opposed to you may not be much right now but you can be something brilliant if you recognize where you need to start so uh tell the good people where they can find you on twitter nowhere i'm invisible to everyone and everything you will never see me coming <laughs> oh, you can find me at shade and ten like, like zero two's character <laughs> at least i uh, at least i will return like there's no coming back for her character at this point that's gone that is uh water under the bridge and out to sea folks my oh my uh it's, it's sad but true sad but true i think like mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm just now reprocessing all the things we talked about and it's making me sad so i'm just gonna say tweet at me at the subtle doctor no spaces on twitter and uh make me happy again because this show's made me very sad yeah hey, hey. everybody no no we look it's bad but we have fun and thank you again everyone for sticking with us uh, especially Indeed. uh the delays recent delays with our pods and our updates but hopefully uh this week you will have gotten a double shot 20 and this episode 21 will be out to you and you can enjoy quote unquote our uh a, a double dose of our uh deranged uh musings indeed about, about everything i'll just echo what doc said here and uh, again to thank you everyone who's been listening to stream of thought all the way through uh, or even in part even if you you know steps out halfway or partway through so I want to thank you for taking the time to do so. You you people are the reason we do this. Like, it's just good, you know, to know that there are people who at least are 
enjoying it. You know, if we can at least bring some, you know, some levity here and there to an otherwise miserable, crappy show like this, then I'll take that. That will be the, you know, the hill I'll die on as far as why I'm still watching this. So, from the bottom of my heart, thank you all very much for doing so. It's much appreciated. Well, for my part, if you stepped out halfway through, fuck you, we don't need you. <laughs> take back my gratitude. No, I totally, I'm kidding. Totally kidding. Well, I guess all that's left for us to say, everyone, is uh, au revoir, mwah, et bonne nuit, and embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Thank you.